Hello and welcome to I'm Thinking of Renfield Things, the minute-by-minute Renfield podcast breakdown. Or breakdown podcast. Wouldn't that just be a commentary? (laughs) No, no, we do one. Have you not heard of these? There's that Star Wars minute thing. Oh, like watch a a minute every week. So yeah, the first minute of Renfield. Um, You know what? I'm going to watch that right now. No, let's not do that, because it <laughs> seems like a bad idea. Okay, let's, okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. return yeah. to the... Right, Renfield. Watch Renfield. Okay. Um, I assume the first minute is probably studio. just all studio logos. Yep. Yeah, that doesn't studio sound logos. very exciting. Do you know what studio it is? No, I have no idea. Guess, because it's the Universal Monster movies, isn't it? It's oh, like Universal. Okay. There you go. That makes sense. Well, there's like 15 yeah. Dracula movies coming out that I assume mm. aren't all Universal, but I have no idea. No, I'm pretty sure Dracula's Universal. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new direction for the podcast that I didn't know that we were taking yeah. until Stephen hit record. Uh, yeah, and I'm gonna. That's there you go. Um, that's Renville for you. <laughs> <laughs> Good first <laughs> minute. Good podcast. Well, let's wrap this up. <laughs> um, Vaughn, um, I'm about to say something that just you're gonna cut out of the podcast. All right. Okay. Great. And um, we're back. back to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're back. <laughs> yes, um, a bit of late night tired energy because um, I am very very tired, um, and it's rather late tonight. But um, we've we've had busy busy lives and busy weekends. But we have got a an assortment of, of movies to talk about. Um, our featured movie, I presume, is How to Blow Pipeline. Yes, absolutely. Good, excellent. So we will feature that. But we are also going to talk about Tetris yes. briefly. Um, and I literally just finished watching Ray Lane. Um, and we're going to talk about Ride Lane as well. And I mean, Vaughn, you, you had a bit of a a weekend of some new movies. Can you give me some quick takes on them all? Because I don't know when I'm going to get round to some of them because of, of release times. Sure. So with with Disappointment Boulevard, for example, um, <laughs> when Disappointment Boulevard comes out, I, I'm sure that I will go see it um, and we'll talk about it at more length. But I don't know when the UK release is. I'm not even sure if there is a UK release announced yet. There wasn't when I checked last week. There might be now. Yeah, it's always so a bar. A, like a, a, a 20, 30 seconds on this point Boulevard um, would be cool. And then we can add to that um, later when I am able to, to see the disappointment for myself. Yeah, sure. So I, I'll work backwards then. I've so seen saw, the short film. I watched the short film today. I have not seen the short film. So yeah, I saw five ah. movies this weekend, um, which I think is maybe Ooh. the most of, of like new releases I've seen in, in one yeah. weekend. But... Um, so yeah, I just got home from Bo is Afraid or Bo- Disappointment Boulevard, as it was previously titled. Yeah, which is um, such a good title. It is. Um, I, I do prefer that title. Um, Bo is Afraid is very meme though, isn't it? It's a very meme title, so I'm not surprised yeah. they went with that. Uh, I didn't like it very much, which was I was surprised Ooh. by. I, I went into it expecting to like it more, but even coming out Vaughan of it, I kind of... I was disappointed. I, I kind of... It felt the same as the other Ari Aster movies that I've seen where I feel like every time I finish one of his films I go that was a really good film and I don't know if I really liked it you know <laughs> like really? I feel like I, I, I I'm always kind of at a little bit of a distance with his movies um, his films haven't really come up before on the podcast strangely no, they haven't. I have, I have, I've loved both of them I really loved Her Head Hit a Tree um, that was that that movie's really really good um, though it's strange to spoil a twist halfway through the title of your movie but you know um, but yeah Her Head Hit a Tree's really really good um, and Midsommar is also great um, I don't want to come across as prejudgy as I prejudge I have like minus interest in Birds of Right is that just because of the conversation surrounding it at the moment yeah i i maybe this has not helped and podcast is like this is Stephen, you're utterly frustrated this is not why i've not even seen a trailer for this movie <laughs> like i have not 
<laughs> I I don't but, know if I did either. Um, to be honest, I don't. I didn't know really anything about it going into it. Um, mm. other than just people talking about it in general, and I don't know if it's necessarily like that really warped my perception of it, but. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of like, wow, this is the craziest thing. This is, that's, you know. That's what I'm reacting to. A and, lot of, this is so crazy, you won't believe, or like, there's nothing else like this. And I'm like, this is. Right, like, I can't believe that they like let someone make this. And I mean, I don't feel like, in terms of just raw craziness, it's that. I mean, it's very stilted and weird, as you would expect from Aster, but like, to me, it didn't feel like, oh man, it's insane that A24 mm. would finance this film. Like, that's so unsurprising to me. I yeah. mean, I'd say this again as someone that's not seen the movie, um, and I, hopefully I really, really enjoy it. And I say this also someone that loves Babylon, so take this with a pinch of salt, because that is the kind of thing that I'm running against here. But, like, a three-hour, seemingly quite self-obsessed, male directorial thing from a studio does not seem surprising to me. Putting out that new Kelly Rykart movie... Um, that seems surprising to me. That, that I've not seen either. That seems like a, a different, bold, interesting right. thing. I've read Calvin's review and I was like, this seems really interesting and different and a film kind of like about, about nothing and art and inspection. That's a different kind of cinema and this like three hour, oh, it's going to make you shit yourself um, for three hours things and oh, it bent my mind is just like... Yeah, I'm it's... sound on it, pre, pre-seeing it. I hope it's great. I liked his previous two films a lot. And it's definitely, like, I mean, there's mixed reactions from, from all of our group of friends. So, I mean, I think there's certainly a chance that you will go into it and love yeah. it. Um, but, I yeah, it. I just, I really, good. I liked it at the beginning. I was I was enjoying it. It felt like at the beginning where I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of like nightmare punch drunk love where it's kind of like this manifested, oh, wow. okay. like, anxiety thing. And it's really uncomfortable, but in a way that is, like, enjoyably tangible, like, in a good way. But... Mm. Then it kind of lost that for me, and it just kind of kept going and going, and I was really feeling the length, and it just, like, it never really, like, stayed in the lane that I was enjoying it, Um, and it just kind of, it ran out of steam for me, and I just kind of was was not loving it. I do think that the sequence that is, um, like, art-directed by the people that made The Wolf House is is beautiful and really, really brilliant, Um, and I really like that sequence, but then there's, like, two hours after that, and I'm just like, okay, Okay. let's, (laughs) so... So yeah, mixed um, thoughts. I don't know how I would ever write words about that movie. It is, it's a lot. <laughs> is that kid CG or not? No, he's also not in it that much. Okay. Are you sure he's not CG? I guess I can't be a hundred percent sure. It's possible because I'm, I'm pretty sure he is. Um, all right. So that, that's we'll, we'll get back to. We will get back. Which I'm gonna keep calling that because I think that's an awesome title. It is a much better um, title. And Bo is afraid it's fine. Um, the short bow. The short bow is worth watching. Um, you can I will still watch see it, yeah. it on archive.org. And it is, it's really cool. It doesn't know how to end, but it's its effective up to that point. It's not great, but it's good. Um, so what else do you see that we will maybe hear from in the future? Yeah, so then yesterday I saw... Life Aquatic? <laughs> no, that was that was even earlier. So I'm working backwards. Oh, okay, so sorry. yesterday I saw um, Polite Society, Cat. which is, is a very fun movie. I like it a lot. It's... Um, just kind of fun to see um like it's a uk movie um made by people from pakistan which is really cool and it's about stunts and why is it that? why is it out, why is it out, why is it out here why isn't it out there i don't know that's a great question <laughs> <For God's sake. laughs> maybe it is i don't but i don't think it is i don't know um 
I couldn't tell you. I did see it was like in some sort of early screening, not like a press screening, but okay. I don't know. Um, I think it actually comes out next week, so maybe it's also out next week in the UK. Maybe, maybe. I've um, not not seen it trailed at all. Um, and this is like a, a this is small movie in multiplex, right? No, this is not like a, a multiplex big movie. This is the kind of like medium film that gets yeah. into a multiplex. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I would expect that I've I'd have seen trailers for it. I would think I, so. I, I did see some trailers I've for not. it beforehand, um, but it's pretty fun. It's it's about like this okay. this family, um, mainly about two sisters. One of them wants to be a stunt woman, and the other one wants to be okay. an artist. Um, the older sister, the artist, um, has dropped. Are you saying out of... that stunt women aren't artists because that's a bold claim? Well, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Is the movie um, saying that? I mean, one wants to be like a a painter artist, and the other one wants a fine to be a stunt artist. woman. Yes. Um, so you're saying that she's fine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's <laughs> let, me, let me move on, Steve. <laughs> um, Older sister has dropped out of art school um, yeah. because she was struggling with it. And... With stunts, struggling with stunts, the arts of stunts. <laughs> Martial arts school. Younger sister is is really trying to become a stunt woman, but is also kind of struggling, but in like, you know, a very endearing way of just like, she's kind of, she keeps pushing through even though she's like not great at it yet. Um, then the sister gets kind of put into, the older sister gets put into sort of like an arranged marriage situation. Younger sister is not happy about it. And so she is basically the the movie is her trying to break up this um, their relationship in an attempt to get her sister to get back into art, and she's yeah. trying to kind of she thinks that the the guy is up to something nefarious, um, mm-hmm. and and well, well, I guess I won't spoil it because you haven't seen it. Um, true, true. We're not thinking of spoiling things today. <laughs> I won't spoil anything. Um, I think it's very um, fun. Uh, I think that the the main narrative does some very silly things by the end of it that I think detract from the stuff that I like a lot about it because I think that it is great to make movies about artists that are failing but going persevering anyway and doing it and kind of failing yeah. forward. And it's like a lot of that stuff that I really like that resonates with me and I really appreciate. Um, but I think that the the larger narrative around that kind of ends up overshadowing it and it kind of loses that thread which is unfortunate okay. but it is a very fun movie yeah. there's fun stunts in action okay cool excellent so that's polite society polite society um and then before that that was a double feature before that we saw how to blow up pipeline which we'll get back to later we'll talk about later it's very talk about that later or and is then... it or is it what I said it's a good movie, then I realized we're not talking yet. So nice. yeah, or well, is it? No, I won't. I won't give you my thoughts. My, They're not. No one can find them on any other website right now. <laughs> yeah, my reviews on the, on the website for like over a month. But you know, people don't um, go to the website. I mean, they do, Kevin. They do. They do. People do go to the website. They do. They do. It's true. It's um, Friday night, I saw Evil Dead Rise. I liked it a lot. I think it's great. I um, am going to see that this week. Um, very excited. I yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it's very fun. I can understand some of the complaints that I've heard. I've seen a lot of people that think it doesn't feel quite enough like an Evil Dead movie, which I think is fair, but I also don't think that I want people to just be trying to recreate there are the Evil of Dead. Those. It's and true. Arguably five if you count Cabin in the Woods, which kind of feels Evil <laughs> Dead at points. That's so, true. Um, what are your thoughts on the 2013 movie? Um. My thoughts on it are kind of soured by the only time when I've seen it. 
um, which was at the cinema, and I had a whale of a time because I convinced loads of non-film uni friends to go see it with me, most of which <laughs> oh, nice. don't really watch movies, never mind <laughs> horror movies, and they were just like, what is... And they were like, they still bring it up, do you remember, like, do you remember that horrible movie you took us to? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, so... I had a fun time with my friend AJ as everyone else was just like, oh, God, but I thought it was okay. Um, I think the most telling thing is a few years ago, because I love Evil Dead. Um, a few yeah. years ago, I went to a um, all-day Evil Dead screenings um, oh, at nice. a local cinema. They had an Evil Dead fest, and Emma had not seen them apart from that one before, because she saw that one with me. Um, and we watched one, two, and three, and then we were like, let's go. Yep, yeah, that's fair. Because we were like, we could get home at a decent time, I would probably um, do the same, yeah. Also, no shade to the movie, which I think is ultimately fine. Um, it's not a good follow-up after Army of Darkness. No. Um, it, it's that, such like, a departure, You don't want to yeah. go Army of Darkness into Evil Dead. Um, so we did not. Yeah, that's totally fair, because Army of Darkness is so lighthearted and fun, and mm. like you would come out of that in like such an upbeat mood, and then I think going into how... like grim and dark evil dead yeah. is i think that would be You're quite like, a turn a yeah. oh that's not a boomstick <laughs> no okay um and and i had heard some people say that the evil dead rise kind of blends um like the the energy of the original films like evil dead 2 and yeah. um the the darker stuff in evil dead 2013 i don't necessarily think that it does that because i don't get that same like campy hilarity of the original films um mm. like the silliness is not the same there's some humor but it's it's not really the same thing but i do think i do like it a lot more than 2013 um it okay. definitely does have it's not quite the same just like strictly dark energy like there is a lot more fun to be had within it um i think there's a I lot will of say it is pretty good for a horror franchise to be at five films that are all like respectable decent and yeah, all of which have absolutely. like passionate supporters there is a film there are lovers of every film in this franchise which is really yeah cool. absolutely um, yeah there's nothing that's like oh this is just the horrible one in the franchise for yeah. sure um but yeah i had a lot of fun with it i think there's some great like italian horror influence in there um that cool. i noticed a lot um Ooh, definitely delivers on the like just buckets of blood which is always fun awesome awesome yeah. awesome i hear there's a cheese grater there, there's a great cheese grater scene um, awesome. I think my main problem, like the 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 cinematography itself, like there's great there's great shots. Like it does cool Raimi stuff. There's a lot of cool split diopter nice. stuff, which is fun. Um, oh, like Royal Lane. That's true. Um, but like, <laughs> I think that ultimately it's a little too like dark. Like there's not enough like fun in like the 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 color of it. Um, and I think that it could be a little bit brighter. Yeah, it's too so not so not like Rylane then. Not like Rylane, certainly. Um, yeah. But it's kind of a kind of a minor quibble in a movie that I did have okay. a lot of fun with. Um, I awesome. think it's great. I'm, I will see, and we will definitely talk about that. Yes, we uh, definitely in, will. In a bit more, a bit more detail. Um, so that's Evil Dead Rise, which is a, a not very good title, but you know, it's got. Evil, I mean, Evil Dead's a great title. It's got Evil Dead in it still, but just Rise of the um, Evils of the Dead. Um, but you know. And then the last movie I saw, um, which feels so long ago now, um, was Sisu, which I thought was also very awesome great movie um just finished john wick killing nazis is a pretty basic so, yeah. premise and it works so pretty not, damn well it's not sifu and it's, it's not, not the life aquatic of steve zizu <laughs> yes correct um, <laughs> so what is it uh well it, it 
the beginning is like a title card explaining the the Finnish word sisu, which is like a word that can't directly be translated, but basically means like... <laughs> but we'll do it anyway. <laughs> like white knuckle grit and determination, like a refusal to give up, basically. Um, How does that play in the original version of the movie does it just go here's this film in its here's this word in its own language like that's how it opens yeah like but is the movie in finnish no okay i was, about to say, I was pretty <laughs> confused why a finnish movie started i was like how do they handle that in, in finland like, this um, word means this you're like yes yes it does i mean it's a it's a finnish director the guy that made uh, rare exports cool. um oh, okay. and i mean it's in finland and the characters are finnish but the the film is all in english um, Finland, 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 the country I'd quite like to be. Not far from Russia. I don't, I don't, you've lost me on so that. It's a, Monty, it's a Monty Python song, it's a Monty <laughs> okay. Python song called Finland. <laughs> um, so it's basically like the, um, the Nazis are on like a scorched earth campaign through Finland and this guy that. has been digging this is, for... This is histor- historically set, yes, this is not just like yes. moon Nazis, future Nazis. No, it's, Nazis. it's in 1944. Is... Um... This guy, uh, the main character, is digging for gold, and he finds gold, and he's like, I'm going to go get this gold and, like, start my new life. And <laughs> on his, so he leaves his home, and he's going to go deliver the gold, um, but in, on his quest, he runs into a bunch of Nazis, and then it just becomes kind of like him trying to get to his destination while these Nazis are chasing him down and trying to get the gold for themselves, because it's like their ticket out because they can basically see that the war is ending and that they are about mm. to lose. And it basically just becomes him fucking up Nazis for the whole movie, and it's pretty great. Okay. I mean, it's it's cool. it's a very simple premise, but it works pretty well. Um, the action's great. Lots of good gore and blood. It's just it's a fun time. It's a good okay. time for the I, movies. Yeah, I don't know when that's coming out over here, um, but that sounds really cool. It right, is. Let's go for our triple feature then, shall we? Yes, let's get into let's, our grab bag of recent releases now. Let's ramp up in quality. Um, so, actually, I will start by saying that here's a, a sentence okay. that I've said in the Discord, which is a sentence that I would, would not... A thing that I would say. Um, I prefer the Mario movie to the Tetris movie but would take the Nike shoe movie over both. I did not see the Nike shoe movie. But... Nike shoe movie is really good. <laughs> it's actually really good. I think um, I would agree with you about, so. about Mario and Tetris, though. Mario, I mean, we had the discourse. We owned yes. it. Um, um, Mario is, it's bad, but like, it's it's fine, whatever. Um, Tetris is like, just, just bad movie. Um, and it falls in that category. And some people don't like me. It's all about category of another reason why I dislike it a lot is because people think it is good. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is like <laughs> me last year with um, that Chip and Dale movie that I hated. Mm. And it made me hate it even more. People were like, this movie's pretty good. I'm like, no, it's not. It's awful. Um, and because there are so many people that are like, oh, I can't believe how fun this Tetris movie is. This Tetris movie is really terrible and absolutely sucks. Um, it's pretty what bad. What do you think of the Tetris movie? I, I, think, it's, I think it's very bad. I... I agree. I don't really know. Some people really like it, and I don't really understand why. I think it's just a lot of, like... Like, I think as far as if you're talking about Mario versus Tetris, like, the Mario movie at least has a a strong understanding of the games and what the games are and why people like the games. And the Tetris movie barely even really knows what Tetris is or why people like it. Which is worth noting, it's not about Tetris. No, it's not. But then to back up your point, that's the issue. Like, for me, I'm like... I actually, I mean, you love, I know you love Tetris because love I've Tetris. seen your, like, your achievements on goddamn Tetris effect. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Tetris is like one of the greatest, like my 
I, most Tetris I played was on my Nan's Game Boy because my Nan just absolutely loved Tetris. That's like awesome. the only video game that she played, and she just like played Tetris so much. There are so many stories of like people's parents like becoming absentee parents because of Tetris, <laughs> and, like Tetris banned from them because it, Tetris is unbelievably brilliant. And I remember like I've had phones that had Tetris on them and it's got like hooked on Tetris again. Every time Tetris comes out, yeah, rehooked on Tetris because Tetris is really goddamn good. It is. It is. It is Tetris, like a perfectly like, oh, designed game. Tetris. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, and Pajitnov is a really interesting dude. And the making of Tetris and this idea of this, this really cool thing, that's really interesting. And his story is really, really interesting. What I just don't give a shit about at no. all is contracting selling and Tetris, yeah. and selling the rights of. I would like, I, I, I wrestle with this. I wrestle with a bit of my review of like, I, I love the fact that my grandmother in Yorkshire loves Tetris. Um, this like Soviet made puzzle game can be played everywhere on a Game Boy. That's awesome. But I hate the realities of like contract law that underpin that. That absolutely sucks. Right. Like, the, this, the, all the copyright stuff absolutely sucks. And yes, it's good that people get paid for the art they create because of the system that we live in. But I don't care about how the person got the rights. And the movie is mostly just this person who doesn't make anything is not artistically interesting, is not a character worth caring about. No. Just parasitically doing stupid things and making money off of Tetris. He's a terrible guy the whole time. He's, I mean, the, yeah. the whole film is like him ignoring his family and being yeah. a terrible husband and father. Just, and he's like the just, hero of the film because he like gets a great win a for loan. capitalism. Because he's got a bank loan. <laughs> I know, it's it's just, like... it's, that's why he can get Tetris because he can walk, move and go $5 million. And, that, and, and walk into a room and say that. And it's... I cannot at any point find that compelling. No, which is this is going to come up again in our pipeline discussion. There are some films where politically you are not aligned with them, so therefore you're never going to like it. So let's leave that as red. Um, I think the movie is just not very good outside, outside of that. No, it's it's not. And I think like yeah, outside of like the politics that I just don't like about it, like it it is just it's, it's a bad film that doesn't seem to know anything about video games in general it just throws video game shit snes at you. footage of zelda in there snes footage of zelda <laughs> right like it's just it's not none of it's right it has like these weird interstitials of just like pixel art that it's like because yeah, video stuff. games and it's like i was thinking this okay. today all art, is, all art on your screen is pixel art the entire that's film very is pixel true art. that's that's i guess you're right i actually had this thought today <laughs> genuinely i thought i'd take it um, on the podcast and i think and this was um stated in calvin's review of the film for the site mm. um where he talks about the worst scene which is oh, when God. he is trying to sell tetris to nintendo yeah. and he talks to the the heads of Nintendo, like their children, yeah, and it, it has to keep bringing every. He's like, "This is just like Mario, and we gotta jump, and we gotta kill the Goombas, and we gotta get to the well, flag yeah, and win." And it's like, he, "This is." He just... talks about needing a partner, and he goes, "That's <sighs> why Mario has Luigi." And I'm like, "Actually, all right, I'm gonna be the nerd." At this point, Luigi is just there as the two-player mode. He's there right. so you can pass the controller. You to don't somebody need. Else. You don't and need Luigi. At he all. doesn't need. They never appear together. I mean, <laughs> in in Super Mario, in Super, in. In Super Mario, yeah. not 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 the side-scrolling platformer. In the original game, yes, you can work together as partners, but that's not the graphic that's showing. Right. Um, they don't they don't work together. What are you talking about, my man? And then he goes, "That's why um, Zelda needs Link." I'm like, "Well, I mean, in the context of that video game, that's actually quite a troubling thing to say." <laughs> that's, just, that's, that's right. That's like saying that's why Peach needs Mario. It's like okay. Yeah, it's just like it's so. 
it's I mean it's just terrible writing and it like comes across as so patronizing and I'm just like do you really like this is how he's treating the executives of Nintendo like they can't understand a business deal should have turned around and go I think you're fine the link needs tingle who's that he's coming later (laughs) yeah it's it's just I need you like link needs Navi oh yeah hey listen executive (laughs) god that's about how it feels, though. It's it like, does. It does feel like It's just that. like, you know what this thing is, am I right? Let's take off our Majora's business masks <laughs> and talk frankly. Oh. oh, God. I'm more of a social ice climber. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, yeah. The, the Mario's movie, that five seconds of Mario playing ice climbers is more legit Nintendo than <laughs> in, in this. Yeah, the text movie is, is bad. Um, there's a car chase towards the end, which is entirely made up. Um, yeah that was just ridiculous to me I'm like this there's, this didn't happen I don't need to like look it, up that it didn't happen it just didn't <laughs> this the last five minutes is, is just Argo oh yeah yeah that's a good point point. and speaking of Argo Air I'm gonna use Air talk to about say, Air I, I'm gonna use Air to say why I don't like Tetris um, which I think is useful sometimes because Air I'm also politically against because ultimately it's about right. how lots of money was made but I mean Air does at least do the sell of this story is an interesting idea of rights thing and it's actually interesting because the um, um, so Michael Jordan's mother getting the deal that he actually gets revenue off of every shoe sold mm. is actually including the people that are being made right. money off of into the sales. So that is actually kind of a landmark business that's actually really interesting. Um, but the reason why Air is, I think, genuinely a really good movie, and I was so surprised because I was like, begrudging to see it, and we're going to see it because she would look fun, and I was like, oh, whatever, there's other movies I want to see instead, but okay, we'll, we'll go see this, whatever. Um, and it was great. Uh, not great, really good. Um, it's because the script is funny the whole way through. Of It is just yeah. sharply written, entertaining. People constantly say very funny and very endearing things and it's good actors are doing it so i am pulled into the thing and i care about what's going on because i like listening to the clever funny things they say yeah i mean if you take stuff that even you might not be that interested in or even if at at some level you find it somewhat disagreeable if it's actually well written and well made you can still enjoy it and get into it i mean and you know, I don't like baseball, but Moneyball is an awesome movie. I, I think that is great, which is like a perfect do. example of like, you can take stuff that maybe you're not interested in, but if you actually write it well and put the effort into it, then it can be great. And Tetris is not that. And and Air is full of choices. And so the choices aren't always like amazing, but I'm like, that's a choice there. I mean, Ben yeah. Affleck seems like a bad dude that, you know, defends his um, horrible brother. Um, but let's, let's buy, buy the buy there, um, unfortunately. But... Like there's a choice made of so Michael Jordan is technically in the movie but doesn't speak and you never see his face um, hmm. so you just see the back of him and like I don't know if it works because it adds like a falsity to it but right. it, it's such a clear choice and it's an interesting choice and it's because the film is about the idea of Michael Jordan it's not about Michael Jordan right it's about him as like the idea this of him led mythical it, figure right? yeah completely so therefore it really works and when he spoke about it not Michael Jordan obviously um, when Affleck spoke about it he said that. Michael Jordan is such an icon. You've... Um, weird pause there because I was gesticulating wildly and hit my keyboard and pressed pause. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, so he's 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 so big a figure that if he is to appear, he overshadows the actual stakes of the film. Right. And there's nothing like that degree of consideration in Tetris. It's just we've got the rights to the. That's the irony of the Tetris movie. Of that movie just exists because someone's just like, well, it turns out we've got the rights to make a movie that right. tells the story. It is a movie about rights that exists because someone has the rights. Yet it absolutely sucks. Yeah, um, it just it really and... just comes down to like 
the story's not that interesting. It's it's just nice. it's a story about basically a bunch of people like lying to each other and and yeah. like half of the rights that they're passing back and forth are completely imaginary and it's and just, just red scan nonsense that's just absolutely bullshit. It's a collection of characters that you don't really care about and don't matter just kind of talking about things in various different rooms in various different countries. Um and then the guy that actually made Tetris sort of exists on the side and that's kind oh, of it. it's God, just the... The bit where they try... I don't know, maybe this is real, but the bit where they take Taron Edgerton, who I think is bad in the film, I actually quite like him. Um, the bit where they make him come up with just a new mechanic for Tetris, just so he's had a creative like input on him. And he was like, how come the lines this were at the same oh, time? Yeah. And Virginia was just like, I never thought of that. And just like, I'll piss off. Like, <laughs> right. like, really? You never thought of that? I don't, I don't think that's how Tetris was created. Uh, yeah yeah so that's that that that's tetris it reminds me of in the stage show we will rock you where they're just like the bohemians want their rhapsody it's 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 a that kind of oh definitely yeah let's just have the thing happen the thing is happening um yeah tetris bad that's enough tetris let's talk about wetris we don't have time to talk about wetris i don't know what that is and let's not get into it you so like you mentioned earlier you just watched rye lane before we started literally just watched rye lane what did you think of Rylane? Rylane is absolutely great. Um, it's really, really good. It is. Um, it's excellent. I, it's it's a very short movie that I just smiled for the entirety of. Um, yeah, just, just gleefully so much fun. It's, it's great. It is a very sharp, very modern um, yes. romantic comedy. It's just two people walking around parts of London that I know, so that, that that's quite nice because um, yeah. my good friend... Um, Albert, childhood friend and still continuing friend, um, lives in Peckham, and a lot of this is set in Peckham Rye, Peckham Rye. That's where the, the Rye Lane comes from, oh, I gotcha. believe. And the names of the road. there are a few locations. I'm like, oh, I've been there. That's awesome. Um, so that's kind of nice. Um, it's a really good sparky rom com. I had to watch it at a bit of a rush. I was going to save to watch it with Emma, um, and I didn't in the end. And I turned to Emma afterwards because she was doing something else. She didn't have time to watch it with me, and I was just like. I hope this comes on iPlayer soon because it's the type of movie Emma that you're just going to watch because she likes to rewatch her favorites. Like, this is the kind of movie you're going to put on and just watch and watch, oh, and watch yeah. again because you are you are just going to love this. This is going to be just like and I mean this is huge praise. Great background. What a lovely thing to have on movie. Oh, definitely. It's so it's, vibrant, it's colorful, and just like yeah. it's just lovely. Yeah, it's it's I I really 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 liked it. Um, totally has like very those, funny. Those like before movie kind of vibes of just like people walking around and and falling in love kind of thing and it feels less before to me and more like jack to me of it feels like it's just seconds away from bursting into a musical at every point in in this glorious (laughs) way and it's because strange things keep happening in the background um quite gloriously like if you watch it again keep watching the background there's just like strange people appearing in windows or a character reoccurring there's an amazing colin firth um, <laughs> the cameo, cameo yeah, which is very great. very funny they go to love guactually and Colin Firth is there being <laughs> uncolon Firth life and that's absolutely brilliant and there's a woman at war style bit at the end where they're walking down embankment and they walk past musicians that start playing the soundtrack so it, it just the world around them is, is yeah, the little slightly details. cinematically enhanced and the whole film literally the whole film is um, is filmed in wide angle yeah like fish it, it just warps it beautifully it's it's like no sort of move the Soderbergh movie um where it has no reason being wide angled but it just is i mean one can make the tunnel vision love idea to it yes but it's also it just makes you look at the place in a different way and it makes yeah, it it's, cinematic it's and bold 
I think it's just really engaging looking. It it's is. Really cool I, I, I really love it. I know some people don't like the the visual style of it. I think it's fantastic. I get that. Um, I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's just like super colorful. But like the, I, mm. I think the fisheye stuff works really well. I think what you said is a great point of like the the tunnel vision kind of thing. But I think it's also like the way I was feeling was like it. It kind of feels like this because you get so much more space surrounding the characters. Yeah. It feels like this kind of like almost like a modern like isolation kind of thing where it's just like things feel much. I don't know. It felt like almost lonelier in a way. And so like it when you bring these two the characters movie. together. It changed the movie because it means they have to pretty much always be at the center. Yeah. Um, so it it generally, as I was saying earlier, of it makes the edges strange and weird and cinematic and keeps them central in a way that adds to the narrative and is really really cool. There's some, and it's also just full of just cool filmic stuff. Yeah. It's the split up to stuff that we referred to earlier. Yeah. It is just really well crafted on a visual level or it just is. like crafted intentionally in a way dare I say you don't expect rom-coms to be like this has got film bro technique stuff in like be like look that's a blah right. and be irritating about which it's, is surprising and very very cool I had I had like no expectations for this going into it I didn't really mm. know anything about it this was I think this was pretty much just a streaming release everywhere I don't know if this was like a theatrical thing it's, at all it's, it's had a theatrical release in the UK okay. it, I don't think it did here at all really well. um, I'm not surprised it's very hyper local and hyper british yeah. um but it still has a wider appeal right and so i saw that a couple of our friends had watched i think it was jack had had watched it most recently and yeah. had liked it a lot and i was like oh this is like 80 minutes you know mm. light you know romantic comedy kind of thing i'll check this out and it was immediately in that opening scene where it's in the bathroom stalls and it's like going over <laughs> them and they're all like these different designs like i was just like i was like oh this is more than what i would expect from just like a straightforward romantic yeah. comedy like this is kind of punching above its weight here and it's just like that's it makes it so much better it's just like an elevated kind of thing where everything is just above what, it, what i would expect to the mario conversation this is kind of what we're talking about of it doesn't need to do these things and they are all additive yeah of, you can just be interesting and good and it's not i mean it's interesting you said this we don't like the style of it but i don't feel like it's off-putting or alienating or limiting it's still been a very like popular and very like beloved and well-loved film that just has an identity and, and, yeah. and lingers and if you're like i didn't like the style as i'm talking about the style the other comparison point i will bring up and i this is a borrowed comparison because i heard this before watching it um is antonioni's and blow up um in the terms oh, of like how color how colorfully yeah it it shows london and like makes london and it's but it's such an interesting flip on right. like the, <laughs> the dark emptiness of yeah. colorful london and blow up it is just what if there was a beautifully shot kind of like antonioni-esque film but it was a lovely narrative with two people that's just a joy to spend time with um yeah like it, it definitely like i think it just like it nails that kind of like millennial atmosphere and attitude without being like overbearing or like annoying about it which yeah. i think a lot of things fall yes. into um so it, it it does a great job of like creating that kind of thing for a specific generation and not being over the top with it um yeah yeah and just so just impulsive. really nice. it just yeah. keeps moving keeps being interesting it finds like it's got this kind of like ripping yarn just yes andy yes andy like narrative yeah. computations happening but in a way that feels generally spontaneous and interesting there's always a plot motivation that facilitates fun little comedy scenes but the plot just keeps rambling like a conversation it is just a, yeah, a walking talking great movie it hits like a lot of those like kind of expected romantic comedy beats um yes. in a way that's like when you look at it kind of from the outside and like disconnected from it you're like 
yeah, the construction is very basic, like, as far as that kind mm-hmm. of film goes. But, like you said, it's, like, the way that it kind of propulsively moves moves through it. Like, you're never left just, like, kind of waiting. Like, those, those kind of expected conflicts and fallouts, those little things yeah. happen. But they move on from it so quickly that it's you're never just like, oh, and now I'm waiting for the next thing to happen. Like, it's like it, it stumbles just, it just upon moves them, through isn't it? it? Yeah. It's like, great. oh, well, we're in this tribe. You're like, oh, right. yeah, nice it's a nice tribe. Well handled. Very yeah, good. It's, I um, think it, it plays with those tropes like very naturally in a way that doesn't feel like it's forced. So even though they're expected, it's like, okay, this makes sense in the way that it's that you've presented all of this to me. It's It's got some fun stuff in it in terms of like setting up a joke that it pays off, but at no point do they feel, because it's so good at like demotic, just normal conversation stuff, it doesn't feel like a, there's going to be a boat later moment, or you're going to see this painting later in the film. And it does quite a few of those things of, here's a thing that will come back later, but it's, and when it comes back, you go, oh, that's the thing we're Yeah, like, for. it's not, um, it's never calling attention to itself, like, make sure you pay attention mm. to this conversation, like, it's, again, like, it's like that... Big gestures, huh? Yeah, like, the, the moving forward, the way that it moves through it all, it's like, it's happening so quickly that it's like, the, it just drops mm. those little things, and then when it picks it back up later, you're like, oh, that's right, this thing that happened that yeah. I just wasn't, I've, I've stopped thinking about because I moved on yeah com- completely charmed by it um yeah a really really wonderful film right later um seek it wherever you can absolutely stream, release, stream it own it love it <laughs> there you go <laughs> that's right poster um <laughs> so that's all for our grab bag of recent releases which was ended up being much larger than i expected it to be because we went through mm. many many movies yeah so a lot of movies in that bag big bag steven before we get to our main film for this week yeah, I have to ask you. Maybe well, maybe I'll just end up cutting this out. Do you have anything for uh, for I Gran Turismo? You, I this sent week? you a video. I sent you a video, and I did watch a tiny bit of it. But I just got home from Bo is Afraid, and then I was eating. So how I'd... about we we watch it at the same time, and you can put okay. it the, the, <laughs> sure. the audio from it underneath the podcast, and we'll we'll react. Great idea. Uh, let's All see. Right. Okay. Uh... This is a video from January, um, and it's actors talking about this may surprise you about how their film should be seen in cinemas okay I'm and if you've it. seen this kind of trailer before i think um, i, I it's a, it's, I it's a classic type of trailer of this film should be watching a cinema all right let me know fine God, i got so much longer. i'll have i'll okay. have i'll have cookies all right let me know when you're gonna watch okay we're we starting at the same time okay yeah all right uh do you want me to count, oh, count you no, in? oh no wait no i'm uh, i'm watching my phone that's gonna play into my microphone <laughs> This is this is a silly idea, but you know what? This this whole this whole segment's silly. All right, cool. You ready? Yeah. Let me get back to the beginning. All right, count me down. All right, three, two, one, play. All right, this is very exciting. Right. Watching a trailer for a film, I guess. Like now. A car. Oh, he's putting on the glove. It's in portrait mode. I hope the movie's hey, in portrait mode. Like that so movie. I hope it's not. Um, I need to turn this off mute. <laughs> this movie is made Orlando Bloom. What's he even doing? Yeah, it's made for cinemas. Orlando Bloom. I love that one of their racing outfits. <laughs> They're all playing Grand <laughs> David Arm is just like, it's Sony, baby. This doesn't feel like realistic. Their cars look too nice to be in Gran Turismo. Uh, you can shut up. Oh, there's romance. Also, this camera is way too dynamic to be Gran Turismo. It should be locked in the cockpit. I'm going to feel every jolt, Steven. I don't know if I want every jolt. <laughs> You're going to get thrown from your seat when there's an accident. 
from Vroom. There you go. Gran Turismo. Only in movie theaters. Only in movie... That's a... Only in movie theaters. I don't know if I've seen it phrased like that before. Only in movie theaters. Just, you know, this ain't your daddy's Gran Turismo that would be played on a PlayStation 1. So, um, there you go. Um, there was cars. There was racing. Yeah, I don't feel like I learned too much from that. Other than I'm going to feel every jolt, so... I'm looking forward um, which, to that. Which sounds uncomfortable. It does sound uncomfortable. Um, a lot of sweeping camera. I liked the bit when we saw the camera in the back of the car. That was that fun. I actually hope that scene's in the movie. Like, yeah, that, I mean, that is like a like if they have like an actual third person perspective for the driving scenes, that would be. Hmm. I liked that. It had some, some Although Gran I assume Turismo. I have to assume that Stephen never plays Gran Turismo in third person. Well. <laughs> <laughs> to get that comfort. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> Unless you've got a racing wheel, obviously, because then you don't want to see the cockpit, because then you've got two wheels. Oh, you just want to see the dashboard. Wrong. That's right. Yeah. So, so then you just want you want the um the nothing view where it's just the first person as if you are the car view, <laughs> right. the Evil Dead, Evil Dead, evil dead stuff. <laughs> that's what it's called, Evil Dead mode. Maybe it's got the GTA Four thing where you just press a button and it just goes cinematic mode for a while. No, I, I hope. I hope the next Evil the Dead is like movie. Evil Dead Race. It's on a racetrack. That's <laughs> Evil Dead. <laughs> Evil Dead races. I mean, races close to rise. Evil Dead carts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, like Clue, for example, had the D- different endings. Different endings. Yeah. And I swear there has been like movies where like you you vote on endings and things. Um, Adler? I have I, no idea about that. I or or there's like interactive elements or like a tingler or you get electrocuted or the the, the sniffer armor from from a John Waters movie. I want... It's gonna, you, they're going to need to, like Time Code, film four <laughs> versions of this film. Like Time from, Code. <laughs> like Time Code. They need to film it four times. I want to press a button that just changes camera angles. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. You know what? Third I get... person and first person. No matter, no matter the scene. That's you so, know what. Even if I'm it's with just you. A man walking along, it shows their hands, nothing, or behind. Them. Oh man, there's no <laughs> way they're gonna detached. do that. But now I think we need to make this movie a racing movie where you can change the angle at any point. You just film, film it four times, so you can just watch, oh, man. watch the. It's like so when you're playing the... Halo uh, CE Anniversary and you can switch the graphics yeah. back and forth. Yeah, it's just yeah. like that. Do you remember when Sony made that TV that was a 3D TV, but the, they said that if you wore glasses, it would do like split screen, but only show you the screen as yours? What? How does that work? That's the thing. So, so if you were... Because it was like two plain 3D stuff. So if you were playing split screen Halo... It would just have each of the, and this is not technically correct, but like each of the the slides, the foreground, background, rather than being creating a 3D effect, would be two different visuals. So if you had your 3D glasses on, you saw your screen. And oh, I theirs, see what you mean. They saw their screen, but it covered the whole screen. So they should do that in the cinema of you only see the version you're changing otherwise it's going to be a nightmare and you I, just I gotta be honest Stephen I don't think Gran Turismo is going to make enough money for them to justify whatever technology needs to be developed for this it'll be like the glasses free 3D screen and the 3DS only available on 3DS Weirdly. that'll be that'll be when James Cameron makes Gran Turismos that'll be that'll be the technology we get the king of sequels you know listen to the twin absolutely um, there you go there you go that was a, that was a good Gran Turismo that was Gear that was up. good we've got we're, I think we're like the idea people for Gran Turismo now yeah hey 
<laughs> Don't listen to me. Get off Joe Rogan. <laughs> I've got ideas. Right? I'll be your consultants. Yeah. That's a great idea. That's a good movie. The time I'm going to walk in and go, time code. <laughs> time code. <laughs> and and go, what's that? <laughs> and I go, well, um, here's a commentary track. <laughs> Don't listen to that. Um, uh. Yeah, go check out our Stacks commentary track for Time Code if you haven't. <laughs> some of some, some of the best Stacks content that's out there. <laughs> yeah, thank, genuinely, genuinely, I just unlistenable garbage in, in the oh, best way great. possible. <laughs> well, so anyway, now we have to talk about a movie. I feel like I'm I'm delirious now. Speaking about changing perspectives. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's a that's a segue. This is a, a movie that shows one event from multiple different perspectives, like the upcoming Grand <laughs> Well, we don't know that. Um, so, How to Love Pipeline is a movie that I saw a little bit ago, because yes. um, I saw the um, Glasgow Film Festival screening of it, not in Glasgow, it was streamed around, um, and I thought was utterly, utterly brilliant. Um, you have now seen it, and you think... I also think that it is utterly, utterly brilliant. It is awesome. Just it's so yeah, good. My my favorite film of the year so far now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, I was riveted the whole time. Just brilliant filmmaking. It is very. I keep saying this. Very contemporary feeling. Dare I say? But it also is very 70s like oh yeah we're making an action movie it is very sorcerer yeah um, definitely it has some it has the tangerine dream star soundtrack i forget the soundtrack is by the soundtrack is absolutely incredible. i have been listening to it um, let me pull it's like daniel or uh, gavin brivik is uh, the name i do not know that name but absolutely yeah. outstanding soundtrack. incredible score yeah um, which is just like synthy and cool and gives it that 70s, early 80s, oh, this is this kind of like yeah. thriller um, that is not harking back to. It's got like zooms for impact. At points, a bit, there's one bit later in the movie that I thought was a bit silly um, where someone like turns a wheel and there's like three, just like zooms in a row. Oh, yeah. Like, dials going up. <laughs> I'm like, that was dumb. <laughs> Everything else is just so precise and cool and lean and interesting. It is... Very easy to compare this film to like Safdie's stuff because it's intense, but it has a restraint and like mechanical precision yeah, that I no, think definitely. the Safdies don't quite have um, that is more Soderberghian in this way. This is, as much as I do like Magic Mike's Last Dance quite a lot, <laughs> this is the kind of film that should have Soderbergh's name attached to it as a producer somewhere. This feels like the think, kind of yeah. like cool stuff he should be doing. Um, and instead, this is Gold Harbor who did Cam, which you like quite a lot did you um, did you watch cam yeah it's good um, yeah i, I think it's it good. directly after this i think oh, it's, okay. it's a bit of a mess but it's good um, yeah this is outstanding yeah cam i watched cam because i was very very excited for this movie um and so i kind of watched that just to get familiar with him as a director and i think it's it's a very understandable like kind of pipeline uh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i kind of just said that and i was like oh, wait, blow that up. um but it is understandable because cam to me is very smart filmmaking where it has yeah. a, a really good premise that it establishes very well and it's got this really tangible like anxiety to the that central idea that it has and when it builds to that and then it kind of loses focus and that second half of cam is just kind of like we don't really know how to wrap up this idea um but i was watching it and i was like 
but I can tell that he is a very good filmmaker. And then watching this, I was like, oh, this is like when you actually have the everything fully fleshed out and you can just make something that is like propulsive and intense. It's just oh, so great. So um, I'm grinning in the background because I'm going to read you something you may not have read yet. Um, okay. This is Daniel Goldhaber's um, Sight and Sound top 10 list. Have you seen this? Ooh, I haven't. I don't think I have. It's really cool. Okay, um, I'd love to hear it. So... I'll start with the only one here that I think is like, eh. Um, so I'll start with um, Casino. I'm not a huge fan of Casino. Casino's I haven't fine. seen. Um, um, it's long. Um, do the right thing. <laughs> okay. Great choice. Yeah, great. A Razorhead. Great choice. Great choice. F for Fake. Oh, I mean, great choice. Fantastic choice. Gene Dealman. Great choice. Morvan Caller. Great choice. Interesting choice. Yeah. Princess Mononoke. Great choice. Verkmaster Harmonies. Oh, great choice. Daniel, we're going to get one. I mean, apart from the casino thing, this list is very, very similar to the kinds that I like. World in a Wire. I've not seen World in a Wire. I want to see that. Really Love that's that, yeah. But you're thinking, Stephen, you've only mentioned nine films. I wasn't thinking that because I wasn't tenth. counting, but go ahead. <laughs> and this is the reason why I read this. Okay. The tenth movie, which is actually third on this list, fourth. No, fifth. I can't count. <laughs> um, but I'm saying it's last. And this is why Had the Blood Pipeline is the greatest movie ever. Because my man, Daniel Gogol Harbour, voted for Ishtar. Oh, I see. Okay. That's all. Everything Everything ties together now. I see. This is the come, kind of thing that goes, circle. I'm going to name 10 films, and one's going to be Ishtar. Um, it's got no cinema. And, you know, you can you can tell that. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Um, it, oh, man. It's, and, and I think, like, what you say about, like, it, the, the comparisons to, like, the Safdie stuff is, like, the Safdie stuff is all very just, like, forward propulsive and it just it it starts at point a and it gets to point b and it moves it and it's i mean i I love their films and they yeah they're all brilliant but i think what what this does that kind of gives it the edge there is like it's doing this kind of dual thing where it is it starts at point a and it's moving forward but then at the same time Mm. it's like moving back and like drip feeding you this information in this perfectly constructed way where like cuts yeah and it cuts at just the right time. It's just like, and it moves back, and then you start to learn things, Ooh. and you're always like anticipating those little things that you want to learn. That you're like, when am I? I know that there's something I need to be learning about this character or this character, and you're just like waiting for that to happen. And then when you do, it's like everything recontextualizes in such an intelligent and smart way, and it just like, oh, it's just so great. So politically, I think it's just completely on point, unsurprisingly. Oh, yeah. um, so it's kind of like not even worth talking about because if you don't agree, you don't agree. And if you do agree, you do agree. Absolutely. Um, it is, it is, I think the only complaint you could make, which I would not make of it, is it is a self-justifying film. So it, it, it right. creates a world, a filmic world, in which the decisions made by the characters are obviously the right decisions. And if you don't think that world matches up to reality, you will take against it because you would say, well, I don't think that's the case. So it, it, it begs the question in that way of it sets right. up stakes and completes its own stakes in that way. Um, politics are very important in the film. They're very well articulated. It does a really good job of linking the political to the personal. It does a great job of showing the typical people you expect to be in activism, but then atypical people. Yes. I think the, the, I think the that's, older dude yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, I, I think that, that was like the thing that really surprised me was like it starts out and you slowly start getting introduced to this group of people and it is like it is the people that you would expect. It is um, minorities and marginalized groups and, and these people that you would yeah. expect to have been kind of pushed down um, by these systems and you're like okay this is a group that i would expect but then it was i think especially when Dwayne shows up when i was yes. like oh and w- like immediately i'm like what's Who this guy's story like where is he villain? coming from <laughs> right like this guy that seems like he wouldn't be in here 
Um, and then um, Rowan and Logan as well, um, the couple um, showing that's, up where it was like, I was very cool. like, that's what are cool. they doing here? Um, but then again, like it does that so well. Like then you're just always waiting for that. And when it starts those cutaways to telling everyone's yeah. individual stories, you're like, oh, I know that at some point I'm going to find out why this person is here and how their story yeah. intersects with everyone else's. And it's like, ah, so I, great. I just think the story is so intricate and so yeah. well told. In it really terms of it, it never tricks you or no. misleads you, but it makes you make certain assumptions based on genre that are really clever and really smart. So it, it throws out tropes and archetypes, and it doesn't say this person is that, but you go, I've seen a movie, that person is that. Right. And then later it twists that on you, and a lesser film, that film manipulative. This is just the best way to tell that story. And the thing that I was stunned by is quite how intricate and clever the end of the film is, where it all comes yeah. together and it is just pulled off so perfectly. And this is where the politics are important, because in a film without the political subtext, you'd be like, oh, it's a bit convenient, they all got away with it. But this film needs this to happen. Yeah, it needs exactly. the thing to work. It needs to be a story of success with clear... like. Beyond the film, there is tragedy. Like there is tragedy for some of these people. Yeah, like things are going right. to go badly. But it it needs this to be an inspiring portrait of this can actually happen. And know they are working together, and they got the one over. And it was actually really meticulously like Ocean's Eleven, like to the last, like Ocean's Absolutely. Twelve. Even it's more Ocean's Twelve than Eleven. I've been like, oh, you did do it, and you did it in the background, and it was sublime. So the stuff of that couple whose names I've forgotten for me in a while, that final reveal of the. Oh no! Actually, they know exactly what's going on, and yeah. this is a joke that's been from the authorities. Is just brilliant. I think that's like it's so important to like have that framing of it because you do get that feeling at a certain point of like this all just kind of is happening and it's kind of going off, and you're like, are they just going? Like it seems too convenient at a certain point. Where you're like, yeah. are they just really just going to get away with this? But you have like that lingering like, and is she? And then I mean, it does tell you eventually that yeah. like she is working for the the authorities, and you get like yes. this. There's that tension there, but. Definitely, that Which final it, so it reveal gives of you like that. it gives you that yeah. fun trope and then takes it from you exactly because it gives that, that 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 final reveal of like oh like they were ahead of that the whole time they were fully aware that like there is no world where they could actually just completely get away yeah. with it and they play with like I mean they even say it outright of like we're going to just play with what they are going to be looking for yeah. we're going to give them what they want and the rest of you can get away with it. it's just like oh it's the way that it's constructed is just so fantastic and there's just cool stuff in it like that just goes unsaid like when the guy grabs the hat to run away and it's like that's a weird thing to do oh so that's like he that's so he looks like her so right. then they tell the story of and it's just it's got lots of little things we're just like that's a weird thing for persons to do oh later it makes sense because they're doing that and doing yeah, that yeah it's and all that. feeding back into like this main thing it's like even when you don't know that it's happening and then you when you find those out those pieces of information you're like oh that does make perfect sense it's, it's just so precision told at the end and i really really love that kind of plotting the only film that i can think of that goes back to that is um the handmaiden when i was just like i can't believe that all of this is just so yeah. like, beautifully entwined and like up together of it's that on like a micro scale of this is just one of the better plotted thrillers i've seen in a long time yeah of just delightfully being like we are unfurling itself it is decision to leave-esque in that way but has the substance underneath it that Decision right. to Leave did not have for me. Though I do yeah. like Decision to Leave a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, 
the best kind of like i mean it does feel it is very like heist constructed even though it's not yeah. really a heist in per se but like it does have that feeling of something like um even like thief or something where it's got like this mm. this very slick stylization it's yes. just like characters who are very very good at what they're doing and know exactly yeah. how to how to accomplish those tasks i think but it narrativizes why they're good and it lets yeah, them fail exactly um yeah all the characters are so well fleshed ways. out like in really well fleshed out yeah, and it's like you don't necessarily even get that much like like I feel like the actual like characterization is is pretty small like in these little doses yeah. like you get throughout slight. but I think that they're just so well written that like even though you're not necessarily getting all of that information like you just they feel so lived in and and real and tangible that they're it's very that easy to buy. That brilliant double role of in a dogma-esque way about all the silliness of dogma, where they talk about how every everything must propel either character or narrative, right. and it's always doing both. Of it is it is character building, but the character's story comes in at the point that's also pushing the narrative forward. Yeah. So you are never just thrown backwards. It is always oh, what I was watching now makes more sense because of this. Exactly. So the way the character stories are told over and in what order they're told is ultimately so intentional and, and so it, it is just precision told brilliant film yeah and it's like it's it's interesting because i feel like it has so much energy and it like builds this yes. tension to like these incredible like breaking points and i think in a lot of other <laughs> movies it gets to these points where you would expect like those cutaways that are like a frame before the action happens it's why you need to see this in a cinema because yeah the, i saw this in like a, a full screening because it was an early like preview screening right and there was just this intake of breath oh, yeah. like three times just like <gasps> but it's like, like people just going like i feel like in a lot of other movies you might just and come out of that kind of thing like frustrated like oh like you're just gonna take away like that moment of impact for me but it's like in this movie you are like almost excited because it builds to that moment and then yes. it cuts away and then you're like and now i get the information that explains the context that there and then it cuts back more important. right and it just makes it that much better like when it goes back to it it's just like all of those character motivations and everything that yes. build up to these these moments yeah, because the stakes matter because they're personal stakes. Right. Um, so, I have heard some some criticism of the film, um, though it's all been from a point of I think everyone likes it, um, but there are there is obviously there are parts of the media that are upset about it because it's called Hell of a Pipeline. Um, it is based on a very controversial book that I've been meaning to read and should do. I know a good friend of mine. Um, Dan, I can't remember if he's, if he's read it or he, he knew the book and like spoke well of it. It's a very interesting like text. I saw it with my friend Albert mentioned earlier um, that lives down in Peckham. Um, we saw it together uh, with Emma as well. And he is familiar with the book and the person that wrote it. I will say before we go to the politics side of it, as a work of adaptation, I think this is one of the most interesting adaptations since of like adaptation. Right, of... because it's not a fiction book. Like no, it's, it's not it's, a narrative book. It's, it's a political book, right? theory book. It's non-fiction political right. theory about the the book is about the case for ecoterrorism right. of why that is a necessary thing to do and how the overwhelming stakes of climate catastrophe justify what would be extremist action. Right. Um, so adapting something in which you adapt the ideology of a text is just one of the yeah, most really interesting, interesting 
And it's, and it it's, reads the book at a point. Yeah, they're it's reading cool. the book at multiple points. I, I, I spotted yeah. it. And it, at the very beginning, um, there's a scene where they're in the library and I spotted the character reading yeah. it. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. like a funny little like touch. But then later in the movie, he's just like holding the book and he's like, hey, I'm reading the book, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay. And the guy goes, it doesn't take how to do it, by the way. <laughs> which is which is because there, yeah. was, there was some like snarky criticism of the book should be called Why to Blow Up a Pipeline. But How to Blow Up a Pipeline is just, a, just such a great title. Um, so there is always going to be the lingering sense of this film is alarmist and this film is right. promoting extremism. Um, how would you respond to that if you had to? If I had to? Um... Which you don't, obviously. You can you just reject the question. <laughs> I don't know if I would reject the question. I don't know if I could answer it um, very eloquently. I think, um, I mean, I think like you said, like it is more of like, I don't think that it necessarily is like strictly telling you to act on anything specific but i think it is like in that way of like political theory wise like it gives you these specific cases of like this is what is happening to people and if this stuff continues to happen this is kind of the point that people reach of like there is a point of desperation and Mm. like what is the actual action that needs to happen in these cases like i don't necessarily think that it's I don't know. I, maybe I'm just kind of losing my train of thought here. I'd, how, I'd like how, to hear your how, do you, how do you how do you think it deals with because there are people that will that will complain and have complained about it either doing so or not doing so, delving into the collateral damage of what is called terrorism by the characters. And there's even like a conversation with it about what the definition of terrorism is. Right. Um, do you think it engages with that enough? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it does in either direction um like i didn't necessarily find a problem with that i think it does mention it to a degree whether that's like Mm. maybe it should be discussed more but i also think that if you then spend the whole film discussing whether or not like their actions are terrorism and the the collateral damage of it that kind of ends up missing the point of the specific characters and where those characters are at um but i also think the film does go out of its way to specifically have all of the characters trying to incur the least amount yeah. of human damage and, and 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 harm and that all of the characters are at every point going out of their way to not hurt other actual people that's where i was hoping you'd take it because yeah I, I will continue that point of yes i mean i think people sometimes get too hung up on what a film says through dialogue as being the only way to read a way a yeah. film is talking about an issue of if you want to talk about how this film has a diatribe about collateral damage, it's the narrative of the film. The right. narrative of the film, which presents you a case study in which an act of terrorism happens that does not have collateral human damage right. in that way, that is not, um, that makes sense. It, this film is making its case through narrative and it does not need more conversation. People go, oh, what are does not need that because it is making its point of this is the thing that happens and it presents you a case of here's the thing that can be done here's how it can be done efficiently here's the power of collective action here are different people from different backgrounds coming together this is important this is why i feel it's a really nice pristine making an argument through action it is activism it is it is more praxis based than it is theory based yeah and i think the film even has several points where it it sort of delves into that of like where people, the characters are, are wrestling with that of like, should we do this? Is this going to harm people? And the conversation is then, yeah. well, then what do we do? Like that, I mean, that is yeah. the, the central yeah. thrust of the film is like, if 
if incremental change is is ineffective and doing nothing and is slow while the destruction is rapid and this is our last resort but then we can't commit to our last resort because of the potential ramifications of that like are we just supposed to sit here and do nothing and i think that's really what the film boils down to is that's the point that the characters are at and that is mm. the drive of all of those actions that the characters are taking yeah also deal with the film in its own terms it's not called how to discuss blowing up a pipeline right it's called how to blow up pipeline. <laughs> right. this is these, these are characters the whole point of the story is they are already committed to doing this and yeah. this is going to happen it is fundamentally about that um and treating about it differently that's just that's asking for a different film and the heart of the film is making the point there is not the time for talking anymore of yeah, absolutely. Talk, it is it, it is against these conversations hence why it only finds time for them in flashback and as like right. desperate notions um and i do my hackles raised a bit of some of the writing around it talking about this being extremist i just i i don't see this this may sound strange to some people because the film about eco-terrorists the only extremism in this film is the things done to the characters um I by would the agree. corporations and institutions. right like I, that's I mean, extremism right like all of these characters are affected by this stuff you have um theo who has terminal cancer due to yes. this stuff her um sochi's mother died due to a heat wave like all of this stuff is directly caused by other stuff and we don't call that extremism but then when the yeah. characters take action against it's it it's and, and i mean and they do discuss that in the film of like yeah why are we the ones that are labeled in this specific way so i do yeah. i agree with you i think that's that's kind of a poor argument to take against the film yeah it's the film is is politically on point is just a damn good thriller and i love that it is just like stealth bombing its way to cinemas and it's gonna hopefully radicalize some peeps <laughs> like, that was really cool <laughs> i was uh, the most disappointing thing for me which is not connected to the film itself but the screening i was in was almost empty there were like three other people uh, aside from us and i was just like i've been so excited for this movie and like waiting yeah. for it to come into a theater near me and i was like waiting and waiting and the second i saw it i got tickets and i was so excited and then to be there and i'm like oh like i guess nobody else is excited for this movie in the uh, way that i am it's like one of those I'm things say, it's like oh right i'm in like a niche market <laughs> two contradictory things that can both be true one i think you watch film in a cinema and it is such a cinema film because that collective <gasps> moment is incredible but also if this movie drops on Netflix and just a tile pops up saying half up top pipeline, people are going to watch that. Oh, people absolutely. Are go, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, this is like, it, it will, whoever made this, make a deal to get it onto a streaming platform. I think. Because then people go, have you seen this pipeline movie? It's really good, isn't it? And you're like, yeah. This is, has like a top 10 Netflix thing all over it of it just drops number one, everyone just watches it. Unless that's changed. At, a, at, a, at some point, I know that Neon had a deal with Hulu, I think. Um, I don't know if that's still exists or or, yeah. or whatever but i think that's called max now no i, I don't i don't actually think that i don't know that's two different things but that's fine <laughs> that was just a joke about murder, but yeah i mean all, um, all of the i mean not that you can really say politics aside for this movie but divorce from that conversation it is just a brilliantly constructed thriller in in, in just about every way well, sorcerer is quite a political film and i think it is it is sorcerer is less political um but the the politics of sorcerer are also caught up in its action of it is about what people are doing to land right. and what that means and it is about interventionism there was a time when political thrillers existed and yeah. this is, is this is going back to that kind of thing so it it feels so modern so cool so urgent but it is also a reminder of just like cool when blockbustery thrillery movies 
dare I say, as much as I've ever sounded, like meant something and and were cool and political yeah. and expressed yeah. their politics in that way. Like Michael Mann movies are very like wildly popular amongst a wide crowd, but also real political movies. Steven Soderbergh, absolutely real political yeah. movies. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it is the kind of filmmaking that I would like to see a lot more of and don't yes. get enough of. Yeah, just yeah. just fantastic stuff, and I hope that. I mean, obviously, well, hopefully if you're here, see. you've already seen it because we spoiled many points of it, but also yeah. go see it if you haven't. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Um, those are our movies of today. Those are our movies well, of today. Those are a solid today. hour and ten minutes of movies, but we've got more. So, Stephen, we have a couple of emails, so let's get cool. into our listener mail for this week. Is it, if it's about blowing up pipelines, I can tell you how to do it. I'll watch um, about it. We do have one, but first, <laughs> our favorite listener, Lorcan, has uh, emailed yes. in once again yes. Yes. Uh, yes. to weigh in on our, our Blomkamp Rogan discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is he going to the Mario discourse? No, Lorcan is too good for that. Lorcan's not seen the Mario movie. That's not for him. No. <laughs> um, so... Since I didn't email the show with my suggestion of the Blomkamp Rogan podcast, it is like a weird rumor. I just want to say that I also at the same time recommended Stephen a 35-minute video that one-ups his appreciation of the Velociraptor saying Alan Jurassic Park 3 <laughs> You got the gist of what there is to get from the Blomkamp Rogan podcast when you say that it made it seem like Blomkamp writes his films out of technobabble nonsense. And then he says, this is exactly what I wrote Stephen. Do you know of Neil Blomkamp's Joe Rogan podcast appearance? It's a rich dump of Blomkamp lore. There are clips of the highlights, the best, in terms of the Rogan-esque bong hits in the dorm room vibe, being his vampire movie idea. He also, <laughs> he also introduces Rogan to the idea of the eternal return. It's just kind of funny. During the vampire movie clip, the density of terms like evolutionary biology, higher mammal, apex predator, and on and on. It's still also a cool example of how a filmmaker sows the seeds of the notion of a passion project, which is an interesting phenomenon itself, as what mm. large-scale auteur film is not nowadays described as a passion project. Bowie's afraid. <laughs> it's hard to know whether Blomkamp is just there to promote his small, shot-over-lockdown movie and is just obliging of Rogan's interest since Rogan doesn't know much or care about movies, <laughs> <laughs> or whether he is also selling himself in some obscure way, trying to make a name as a film director who is a raconteur. Anyway, filmmakers mm. and long-form podcasts is an interesting contemporary trend. Quentin Tarantino and Karina Longworth, who did the well-known podcast on the Hollywood figures orbiting the Manson murders, are gradually superimposing over one another as she is now doing multiple series on Hollywood erotic films and Tarantino's next film is supposed to be yeah. some sort of critical intervention into that I space as well. That. I suppose it still sounds like I endorsed this Joe Rogan episode. I'm also a cult-like Paul Schrader fan. Funny that First Reformed anticipated a Neil Young culture war fight, if you remember. <laughs> <laughs> but i wanted to at least explain my take on it since it was it was with mounting suspense that i listened to the first 40 minutes of your last podcast waiting for you to gear up for gran turismo all the best lorkin <laughs> thank you so for much. thank you very much um, always a uh, great emails and very informative yeah. um so yeah thank you very much for emailing in and then an email from calvin ah. and we kind of we kind of touched on this a little bit but hello, spoilers. Like How to Blow Up a Pipeline, do y'all have any movies folks need to see which are direct calls to action? Is it important to you that politics in films are usable and accessible, or is seeing the right politics enough? Can't wait to see the film and hear the show. Calvin. 
I meant to actually look through and, and see if I could get a little bit of a list together for this question, and I did not because I came home and basically started this podcast up immediately, but I figured you might have a couple of answers for this one. Yeah, I, this this is really interesting to me because I, I go so to and fro on this of I am so deeply aware that all of the films that I think are so politically prescient and brilliant um, are only speaking to an audience that already thinks that. Right. Um, and that's something that I wrestle with quite a lot. It's why I somewhat comedically, but quite seriously, um, referred to Dog as like the most interesting political film of last year. Um, the the Channing Tatum co-directed oh, dog movie. Um, I did not see which that. Is, which is only half a joke, um, because I think that film has very interesting things to say about men and feelings and the weight mm. of war on people once they leave the battlefield. And I've seen loads of films that are about that. Like, I mean, even like something like Beau Travail is like about like right. what militarism does to a man. And um, there are loads of films about that, but people don't see those movies. Right. And the people that do see those movies, the people that go see Hadwell Pipeline are probably inclined sold that way by the title. Right. Um, or at least the title was interesting. So I, I am looking for those stealth films that actually speak to the wrong audience in the mm. right way. Um, and th- those are more interesting for me. So I think that's why I find Spike Lee, who I've watched a lot of films of recently, is such an interesting filmmaker, because he does have a populist and accessible touch yeah. of speaks quite broadly in a mainstream way and is known because he makes up to a point where I'd say now Spike Lee, though I think he's brilliant, is a very uncool human being. But to begin with, he was a very, very cool filmmaker. Now he is tragically uncool in a way that's adorable. <laughs> okay. um, but those first few Spike Lee films have a sense of people watch them and they matter and they're cool. I think Steven Soderbergh movies are very good. I know it's the self-parody are very good at sneaking some cool politics. Yeah, into I think so. Um, I do struggle with films like The Big Short and the like because mm. part of me is like people now know about these things and they're important and they do speak to an audience but I also think they speak on the level of well now I know some trivia that I'm going to tell some friends at a bar. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean that film specifically and I guess others of its ilk I think are like not so much calls to action as they are just like information dumps and it's like yeah. you you watch it and you go oh well, that was interesting now i know more about this and then you never think yeah. about it again probably i think the film that i will go back to though it's not a very good example of what i've talked about is the um the film i daniel blake um with the ken loach film which is really searingly brilliant and i recommend this to your wife recently she really liked it she didn't love it she really, really liked it and i think that's because that's a film you had to see when it came out mm. of this was in the run-up to a tumultuous general election and was deep in tory austerity and was very much a film about what tory austerity does to human beings and right. it became part of the political campaign in a way and it just toured places i took us to see it um, it's a very emotional, very powerful film. And yes, leftists are only seeing it as a Ken Loach film, but it is also at a contentious election where Labour were contentious because they were more left than before. I mean, obviously it didn't help too much because they didn't win, but there was a sense of this film feels like it's helping. Right. Um, I To go to Mike Lee, I thought that Peter Lou was quite interesting as a political film because it's talky and wordy 
and it knows that only talky wordy people are watching that movie <laughs> right. which i actually thought was a very smart way to do that of it understands the audience for its film so it's going to make a film about the need to talk and wordy and when talky wordiness can get in the right. way um, which i thought was really really intelligent so to beat around calvin's question it's hard, it's difficult of yeah. how do you make a political film that speaks on its audience. When I think of political films, I think the film that for me comes to mind is Rome Open City, every time, of an, an urgent-born film that was filmed during the um, Nazi occupation of Rome at the end of the Second World War, like, illegally on the streets. And, like, that film is an act of resistance that exists on celluloid. And you need a context around that to talk about that, but that is should be really inspiring and then also like a special day is an, a nice kind of like stealth thing hmm. i think maybe when you tie your politics to a war film they can be they can be impactful i like that maybe sometimes to to get to an answer there yeah i don't know how i would really answer those either either i mean i, I do agree with you i think that it, it, the difficult thing is most of the time when you have these films that are more strictly political it's like the people that agree with the politics of it are going to be seeing mm. it anyway yeah. and so you don't necessarily need to like making it broader and wider isn't really necessary because you are already getting the audience that you're looking for yeah. um and it's hard to like you said make the right film for the wrong audience or whatever um however you you phrased it like that but like it is it is hard to get like a something that is broad but also gets to a point of like here is a specific call to action that it's going to like impact a wider group. I think that's very difficult. And I don't know if I have a, any specific example of that really. But that's why I'm so, all goes back to Mario. That's why I'm so angry about Mario. I think the onus is on populist filmmakers to say yeah. something because you are the people that are being listened to of rather than just being a, dare I say the, the Top Gun Mavericks that is like taken and, and the Marvel movies that are just becoming just, just showing off military wares for money people are going to go see your film. You're going to make a lot of money from it. So therefore, you have an opportunity to actually put something in front of them they have to pay attention to. Um, and yes, you're shaving off a little bit of audience there, but the gain from that is really important. And also, the people haven't seen the movie yet. Um, and if you, you can package really radical and interesting ideas, yeah. I think culture can be a really powerful weapon for changing people's minds and for... I mean, people love to tell you about the things they've learned from stuff. People love that stuff. Um, so I really wish that mainstream media, because um, I think it can be, contained more radical thought. I think the, not that it's necessarily a, an answer to this specific question, but the film that like comes to mind the most in this kind of space, this conversation to me is Hail Caesar. Um, okay. Which is like the Coen brothers being like, yeah, not, I mean, I guess, pretty popular filmmakers like they are making big movies for wider audiences um and that movie being like a film that comes across as very like lively and fun and silly but like mm. the also the the central point of it is like that I, I just think about all the time of like the conversation where um is it george clooney's character who um is like <laughs> becomes a kidnapped into the meeting <laughs> um with the with the communist guys and they're telling him about how like they're, oh, yeah, they're so all the good. all the writers that are talking about how like yeah and we we actually we what we do is we sneak in like our our ideology into hollywood movies and we put them out there and then people get to get to hear it and you're like oh, okay and then you watch the whole thing and then by the end of the movie and i'm like 
oh, but they just did that with this movie. <laughs> like, that's what this movie is. And that's like, that's my favorite kind of thing is I'm like, oh, that's exactly what this is doing is it tells you exactly what it's doing. And they explain to you, like, they're making good points. It's a bunch of writers going, we should be paid more fairly for the work that we're doing <laughs> in this area. Um, and then the movie ends and I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's it did exactly that. And they were all right. And that's great. This is exactly what, it's, you know, film should be doing. That movie is fantastic. It's tricky though, isn't it? Because then you, you do fall back into that uh, Mark Fisher capitalist realism thing. Right. He has that, that wonderful point about Wally of being like, that yes, Wally is, is prescient and political, but the jokes on the audience, because this is the anti-corporate stance from the biggest corporation right. that actually pacifies you it's he makes that brilliant point about we should be wary of films that just do our politics for us and culture that just yeah. enacts politics on That's screen true. and therefore makes us feel good because we saw a politically aligned thing um and it's really i don't know it's, it's just it's a thing i struggle with quite a lot because i mean yeah both it's like, like, like openly political cinema and it's like right is... it's like an impossible balancing act that is like kind of almost unwinnable in a way um it's like how do you I really... think it's why I think Bamboozled is so good. I think it's why I think Bamboozled is, is, is a phenomenal movie because right. it makes you profoundly uncomfortable. Um, and I think that political cinema should even make the aligned audience uncomfortable or challenge them in a way. Um, right, which I mean, not that not that Pipeline is like extremely uncomfortable, but I think that the people who are like uncomfortable with the extremism aspect of it, I think, is exactly like the the, the point of it. Like you probably should be if like if if this stuff yeah. is is a problem for you then you should probably think about why this these situations are being created um and and why there are people that feel like this is the uh the action thing to be taking yeah well there you go there's some ponderous silence at the end of the, <laughs> that i think about it a lot it, yeah it, it's a thing that, that, that worries me and like keeps me up at night so it's like well, you know what is it what does it mean right. to make political art um in these systems and how these systems work their way for it it's yeah yeah thank you Calvin. um yeah it was, it was a, a a good email a good question but good, yeah very thought-provoking gave us nice things to talk about but Stephen, you know, you know what <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> um, Stephen, you know what I'm going to ask you now. I'm going to ask you to get your yeah. phone out and look through your diary so you can recommend yeah, the, I, the listeners a, a movie. So I have I picked a movie, but I need to look you it did. up because I'm going to get it right. Um, so well, this is exciting. Well, I've, I'm, I'm going to give two recommendations because I'm going to give a <laughs> a tempered recommendation. Oh, okay, this um, is I think the and, second and, week in a row that you've given two. And, and the actual one. So my qualified recommendation, because I okay. want to talk about it, um, is Judgment at Nuremberg. Mm. Um, it was one of those just like famous, everyone knows, but actually none of them have actually seen um, right. movies because it's it's long. Yeah. So um, Judgment at Nuremberg is the based on a play a teleplay of the same name that is about the judge trials um so content warning for discussion of, of the holocaust um about the judge trials of those involved in the legalization of, of the holocaust basically so the the people that served as justices and high court judges under hitler and goebbels etc um and the film is a courtroom drama about that um it's very very good um it has one legendary performance in it that is stunning so burt lancaster as mm. ernst janning um just doesn't really say anything and then gives one of the best monologues in film legitimately of that of, of that quality um and <clears throat> maximilian shell um 
who won an Oscar for his supporting performance. I didn't rate him throughout the whole movie um, because I thought he was way too shouty in a movie that is better when it is sobering and melancholic. And then the Burt Lancaster monologue is so good that it justifies that performance because he makes a point about how the shouty approach of the lawyer is reenacting fascism again. It's the logic of fascism coming to the courtroom. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that's a, it's a thing that you did. and It, it makes it worthwhile. Um, why it's a qualified recommendation of, I just think there's just an inherent flaw with the film um, that I can't get past. And that's why I think people should watch it because you may be able to get past this and it may be fine for you. So the film is about how everyone involved is culpable um, and, and how culpability stretches and how people stood by and right. allowed and facilitated and even those who claimed they were tempering the evil or involved in the evil and is about the need to reflect and it goes further than that it's about the need to to look for fascism in the courtroom and that's why that fashion in the courtroom is so good I mean, like these these things seed into um and what's quite funny is if you if you google ernst yanning you'll get loads of responses of being like what happened to ernst yanning um, my man, Ernst Yanning is not a real person. Oh, he gotcha. does not exist. Um, these are not real people, but this is about a real trial. So it's a film about yeah. the culpability of these people that doesn't even use the actual human beings. And that's such a step away from culpability. That like, is, yeah. That's so counterintuitive to what the film... And it's borrowed from the play because the play is that. But that felt like a betrayal to me of yeah, this is I can about see that. how it's important. And I was like, well, I, that layer of fictionalization I think really does scupper the film. Um, so I think it's a really well shot, powerfully made, use its time. Like you could cut half an hour of actual stuff out of it, but I love that it's long because it gives it time to just be there. Yeah. It doesn't use its length, but it being long is powerful. But yeah, that, that really doesn't work for me. Um, but <clears throat> people should still watch it. I think it's, it's very worth watching. Magic recommendation is the first of a trilogy, which I need to watch the rest of. Ooh, okay. um, a 1972 film, it's only 47 minutes long, um, from British filmmaker Bill Douglas called My Childhood, um, okay. that I just thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, it is very, very sad. There is some animal abuse in it. It is autobiographical, tragic look at working class, sub-working class, like poverty line, underclass upbringing. It is... Very obviously pre-Ken Loach stuff, but also pre-Andrea Arnold, pre-Clio okay. Barnard, yeah. pre-Lynn pre Ramsey's Rat Catcher. So there's that, that legacy of, of great British cinema. Um, but the reason I wanted to, to mention it on this podcast, because I mentioned Terence Davis recently um, and his films, of I think it's easy to link my childhood to Ken Loach because it is Kez-like in its, its a portrait of the sad left behind by systems. But it has the poetic clarity in its imagery of um, Terence Davis. And I think that's why it's so good. Okay. It speaks so well through its camera and every frame or composition really succinctly evokes something that makes it not just a poverty, porny, kitchen sink, it's grown up north kind of thing. It feels cinematically clear and is speaking through cinema very powerfully and not poetically, but clearly. I think it's really great. I'm excited to watch the next two in the trilogy. Um, so I, I recommend starting that trilogy and hopefully the rest are as good as my childhood. Um, very, very good. Awesome. Yeah, I would like to check out both of those. Mm. Although long movie is always harder for me to <laughs> to end up deciding to watch it. Yeah, yeah. At yeah. home, um, I'm gonna 
switch up my recommendation. I was thinking about doing something else, but I think I'm going to go with something that feels a little more in line with what you were saying and also uh, a little bit more with what we have kind of just the podcast uh, this week in general. Um, I'm going to recommend John Frankenheimer's The Train, which I was reminded of because you mentioned Burt Lancaster, who is also the star here. Mm. Um, He plays the train. (laughs) Yeah, he he plays the train. Um, So this is um, also World War II. Um, This is the... Germans are trying to steal and get a bunch of French art out of France at the end of the war. And um, basically it is about the French efforts to stop the train from leaving French territory and trying to basically remain in control of their art and their history. And so it is, again, like very politically important in this yeah. this idea of like preserving history and preserving art but it is also like kind of like pipeline where it is just like also a incredibly well constructed and executed cool. thriller and just like some absolutely incredible set pieces in there i mean burt lancaster of course is just like fantastic of just like following this yeah just like following this train and just like covered in like oil and grease and just like trying to make every effort i like a train movie i do yeah, no, this is a this is a great train movie, but there's like this some great stuff. There's a great sequence where they have like a whole train yard and they're like dropping bombs on it and just like oh man, some of the some of the set pieces are brilliant. But yeah, this is just like it is just that kind of thing where you're like this is just good filmmaking and and brilliantly constructed and important and critical and just also awesome. Title really amuses me because it reminds me of how you hear things in a foreign language and they make more sense and they sound like better titles because I was going to like snark out the train and then I realised that like one of the most famous German war films is literally just called The Boat. But because yeah, it's called true. Das Boat. Um, <laughs> and yes, I pronounced that correctly because it is actually, boot is pronounced boat. So it is actually called Das Boat. That's not the problem. If you pronounce that film correctly, you get corrected. So I often just call it Das Boot because people... <laughs> that's how people think, think of it, yeah. Because, yeah, because otherwise people are like, no, it's, it's, it's not... Because you, you sound wrong even though you're right. right. So yeah, it's funny that film's just called The Boat. <laughs> but you're like, oh yeah, das, das Boot. Das Boot is cool. And you hear the train, you go, hmm, so what's your name from movie? But yeah, um, um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I watched... Languages, uh, that's better. It was a little while ago now, but I watched The Train fairly recently, and I was surprised that you had not seen it. It seems like a very good Stephen movie, so I hope that you Mm. check it out. Um, But yeah, that's my recommendation for this week, so that's three recommendations for everyone. Stephen, what have you got going on? Um, uh, On the Over the Stacks, I am working my way through Spike Lee's filmography. I'm filling all the blanks um, and re-watching some of them. I'm going to go back and try and re-watch some classics at the end. Um, So, keep stack aligned for elaine may stuff elaine may covered completely warren Beatty covered completely and then spike lee going to be covered and by cover completely spike lee i mean all of his feature films and some of his wider stuff is covered okay but every feature film will be spoken upon um and then some of his theater stuff some of his documentary stuff some of his tv stuff will also be spoken on yeah i definitely feel uh driven to check out more spike lee now we just watched 25th hour yesterday which was fantastic oh, film so very really excited too I, i'm really missing a lot film. of spike lee so i need to go back and, and yeah. get through a lot of those so i will well you should attempt watch to Death follow Jesus. 
uh <laughs> i will but i'm not looking forward to it other people like it i think it is utterly abysmal um, yeah i saw that you went for the full five on on ganja and hess which i love to see i need to watch that again and myself. i went for the full one on <laughs> yeah. the biggest disparity between original and remake <laughs> maybe ever i got i, I mean i, can't I think, think i have the same spread on uh, on old boy and old boy so there you go yeah i think you do actually yeah. whereas actually i have them as two and four now it's um, a little bit closer yeah, but yeah. I mean, go. his old boy remake is better than his Gandron has remake. Okay, maybe that'll maybe watching Sweet Blood of Jesus will recontextualize his old boy remake for me, and I'll appreciate it more. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, see. There's stuff in the old boy remake. There's stuff in it. Well, there's check out the stack. <laughs> check Genuinely, out the, check out the stacks for for all of that stuff. Um, yeah. What's on your end? Uh, not much. I don't really know. Um, check out the site i've got several reviews coming up um mostly on stuff about that, that i just mentioned in love of a chair right does that movie about that person that loves a chair yeah suzume yeah i'm gonna review that as well yeah. um i liked that movie i thought it was very good and i was not expecting to like it because i've not liked a lot of um shinkai's movies but i liked suzume a lot so yeah i will be reviewing yeah. that soon and also many of the films that i mentioned earlier um yes i know jack is going to be reviewing polite society at some point cool. but yeah that's don't have too much else going on other than that we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about something maybe evil dead maybe something Evil dead um and whatever else percolates up whatever else we can find um Um, probably renfield i'll be honest i mean if if i can watch renfield by then then i will yeah we can talk about this we'll We'll talk about minute two (laughs) (laughs) this is our our second running segment (laughs) god this podcast is going to be all segments soon (laughs) yes Um, yes and another reminder if you do want to email in we would love to hear from you if you suggest email us, a segment we will read your email on the podcast unless you email tell us, us not to segment. um sure <laughs> email us for the segment email us about yeah. gran turismo email us about whatever mm. recent releases you've been watching whatever you want to say well we would love to hear from you email us with funding so i can make that gran turismo sure that'll, that'll definitely work <laughs> Um, but the email is thinkingofspoiling at gmail.com if you want to write in if there's nothing else Stephen there's nothing else Stephen alright well then I'll see you in two weeks but for now I'm thinking of ending this podcast 